You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hey, y'all. Spooky season is here. And if you're looking for a show to whet your appetite for a little haunted history, then I'd like to invite you to check out Southern Gothic, a chart-topping history podcast that explores some of the most infamous legends, folklore, ghost stories, and hauntings of the American South. We've covered all sorts of stuff from the Bell Witch of Tennessee to the disappearance of the Confederate submarine, the H.L. Hunley, not to mention our deep dives into the local lore of some of America's oldest and most haunted cities like New Orleans, Charleston, and St. Augustine. So if you're ready for a little good old-fashioned Halloween storytelling with a commitment to quality historical research, then be sure to check out Southern Gothic today. It's available now on all your favorite podcast apps. The world is filled with many questions, such as, did giants exist? What is junk DNA? Does it mean that you're trash? Do you ever wonder if aliens have underwater bases in our oceans, and that's why there are so many UFO sightings off the coasts of islands all over the world? How serious even is climate change, and when should we start building our rafts? Hello, everyone. You may recognize me as Gabby from the History of Everything podcast. And my name is Brenna, and you don't recognize me from anything yet. Together, we're two scientists who explore the answers to these questions and many, many more in our new podcast, Mystery Mystery of Everything, Everything. available everywhere you get your podcasts. Monster House presents... It's actually quite unlike anything we've ever seen before. A giant hairy creature, part ape, part man. In Loch Ness, a 24-mile-long bottomless lake in the highlands of Scotland, it's a creature known as the Loch Ness Monster. I got a surprise email recently from Chad Pfeiffer over at the HP Lovecraft Literary Podcast, which, by the way, is about to be rebranded as Strange Studies of Strange Stories. Anyway, he was telling me about a new Bigfoot book. Now, I get a lot of emails about Bigfoot books, but since I really respect Chad and Chris over there at that show, I gave the book a quick read, and it was delightful. So I decided to do a little mini-episode introducing the book and the author to the Monster Talk audience. It's a funny, quirky little book, and if it's representative of the rest of the series, I think any kid with a taste for the weird and the silly is going to love it. Check it out. A link to the books in the show notes, but you should be able to find it at all major booksellers. All right, let's get ready to talk to Mike Brom for some Monster Talk. Uh, well, welcome to Monster Talk, Mike Brom. Oh, thank you, Mike. Thank you. Yeah. So we we've done a few episodes like over the, the past decade or more uh, where we just talk to people who are making products, you know, that, that are monster adjacent, you know, monster related. This is directly monster related. I think the the listeners will really get a kick out of this, or the viewers if this shows up on YouTube. Yeah, this is nifty. So you have produced uh, what I assume is uh, a series of books. I, you've got a number one on here. 
So, and you certainly end on a cliffhanger. So this is the Cryptic Club. That's right, the Cryptic Club. This is book one. This is about Bigfoot. And each book, there's like four books so far. Hopefully there'll be eight. But each book kind of deals with a different monster. I mean, a different cryptid. So like Bigfoot, the Nessie, Chupacabra, Jackalope, probably do Mothman, maybe the Jersey Devil. But but yeah, I I love that stuff. And and it's a great way to introduce kids to sort of cryptids and the mysteries around cryptids, which I find really interesting. Let's talk about the book first. In the book, you've got a group of people who get together uh, to solve a monster mystery or a cryptid mystery. Uh, tell, tell us about that. Yeah, um, I just really like, the thing that I really like about cryptids is like, why are they hiding? If they are hiding all the time, like, why are they hiding? What's the reason like Bigfoot hides? The rest of Nessie hides, you know, if these creatures do exist, like, what is the reason? Like, everybody's always looking for them and nobody's really stopped to figure out like, what is the reason they're hiding? So this book kind of figures out like, why each one hides or whatever. It's kind of centered around the school. So I want to know like, why Bigfoot hit and like he comes to the school and like what was he doing at the school you know we kind of do that with each book you know there's a reason why each one of them are hiding and the little Scooby-Doo gay kind of figures it out and says okay let's solve this mystery and they solve the mystery that's cool and then over the arc of the the series will we find out who's stealing the tater tots yes we will find out there was an overarching theme I was going to end it on book four they didn't want to end it on book four. I sort of wrapped it up or whatever, but they didn't want to end it there. So I think we're going to go further. But yeah, there will be an overarching theme. And I actually wanted to end it with a, like book eight or whatever. Maybe they'll go to aliens next. And then maybe after aliens, they'll go to like monsters, like zombies and all that stuff like next. So, you know, I, I just I just love it. I just love the fact that like, you know, kids on adventures and there's no greater adventure than being with your friends. And there's this crazy thing out there and just trying to solve this mystery, which I thought would be a lot of fun. It, it's, it's very wholesome. I really, yeah. really liked it. <laughs> when my son was, uh, my son's older now, but it was like one of the first things I ever wrote or whatever. And I wrote it when my son was just learning to walk and I go and I wrote it and nobody really wanted to touch it. So I just kind of kept it in a drawer for a long time. And then, you know, like years later, I kind of brought it out again and then somebody bought it. But yeah. Wow. So did I read right? Is this Harper Collins? Yeah, Harper Collins, Harper's Alley's. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's nice. So how did how did you did you go through an agent or how did you end up with them? I, I did go through an agent. Like I said, like nobody really wanted to look at it before. I have had a lot of agents before, and they uh, and when it comes to, like kids stuff, everybody goes ah, nobody wants to see it, or even monster stuff really, everybody goes ah, I don't want to see it. And so this is the first guy I met. This guy named Scott Yosolo, who's this agent over at Gersh, and he goes, Yeah, you know, like uh, why don't you submit it for a book? And then I hooked up with this guy named Ruben Pfeiffer, who is a book uh, agent. And uh, it just kind of worked out that way. But uh, they're really into it. I hooked up with this artist named uh, Jeff Mack, who's really fantastic. We talked to him and he loved like Dr. Who and he loves monsters also. And like, it was a nice parent. So yeah, he was really excited to do it. So it's been a lot of fun. That's very cool. So so you didn't do the art. You just, you wrote the script. Correct. Yeah, they hooked us up with an, art, an artist and like Jeff was there and, and he he loved it. He got it right away. And he has so many copies of like different versions of Bigfoot, different versions of Nessie, different versions of like a jackalope. And, He's really into it. He he's great, and it's amazing when you like write something. You know, like how do you direct it in your mind or whatever. He's really good at like directing stuff and laying stuff out and printing. He's awesome. He's great. That's guy. really good because um, it, it's a very distinctive style. But the characters come through a lot through the dialogue. That's really nifty. I loved Oliver, the little neighbor oh, yeah. kid. Yeah. So yeah. is yeah. he is he going to grow and change as the story goes along? He will grow and change. He'll get a little more crazier and like. Uh, yeah, and he'll maybe they'll get older too as the books go on. They'll get a little bit older, and like you know, your needs and wants and desires change. You get a little bit older, and you're like, you know, what your interests get gets a little bit stranger and a little bit different. You know, as you get older, so that will all be incorporated somehow. So yeah. So have you had a long interest in cryptids? I've had. I've always loved cryptids. I guess like I've just always been interested in that stuff. And like I said, I just love like why do they hide and what do they do? And I 
I just love all these creatures that everybody thinks exist, but nobody knows for exist. And like, there's proof out there. And I have a friend, my own writing partner named Frank Lesser, who was trying to write a movie on Bigfoot. And he actually uh, spent the night in the woods with some Bigfoot hunters, you know, and they camped out and they looked for Bigfoot. But I just, I just love that stuff, you know, like people looking for that and like all the science behind it. And we have all these researchers going out from it. It's such a, a fascinating culture to me, you know, and like, uh, and, uh, and when it comes to like that kind of stuff, like for some reason, kids, I think really encapsulates like fascination, you know, because when you're a kid, you can do anything. Your imagination goes wild, you know? And so that's why I think I said around kids, but yeah, I've always loved cryptids. Yeah. It's funny. I, you, you mentioned a, a movie about Bigfoot. I, a few, like now it's been a couple of years now. Uh, I went to Dragon Con, uh, one of our big, you know, media conventions down here. And, uh, I, I was on a panel and they were doing uh, Bigfoot cinema, right? And I thought, oh, well, that'd be cool. I'll watch, you know, the five or six movies about Bigfoot and uh, get ready for this. And I started to look into it and then I just lost my mind. It's, there were more, IMDb listed more than 200 Bigfoot yeah. movies and TV shows. Uh, and it's just growing all the time. It's growing yeah. all the time. So it's almost like its own, it, it, to me, it felt like it's like, Bigfoot films are like as big of a category as vampire films. Like there's so yeah. much people have done with them. And uh, I mean, if you think about it in a sense, we've been telling Bigfoot stories since, um, you know, the Mesopotamian days. I mean, Gilgamesh and Enkidu uh, is basically a, a Bigfoot buddy story, really, in a lot of ways. So it's one of the oldest stories and one of the best. Yeah, I know. They've been around forever. And it's, yeah, it's just fascinating. I know, like... Uh... Well, even I think in your book, you talk about people sort of lumping Yeti and Bigfoot all together. And so I think, do you remember Monster Quest, that TV show that was on a, you know, about a decade ago? I guess 2008. I don't, Monster, I don't remember Monster Quest. Yeah, no. it, it ran for a while and and it was very glossy and slick. I liked it uh, in a sense. But it's also the reason I have a podcast because I felt like they were doing too much non-critical approach to this stuff but <laughs> they kind of ran out of monsters in a lot of ways like they just like kept doing different flavors of bigfoot every week and it's like well you gotta you gotta get out of america right i know that's expensive right. yeah, yeah so right. like the there's plenty of monsters and we've been doing this so long we still run into monsters we haven't covered i we so i i uh i'm, I'm excited uh always to talk about these topics so yeah. we are drawing the chupacabra too there's like you know, South America has a version of the chupacabra. It's just like North America has a version of the chupacabra. One's more like lizard insect-like, and there's more of this dog-like down in South America. And that was interesting, too, like how different cryptos have different, you know, versions of where Yeah, we, we always talk about that as, like, it's an it's a interesting metamorphosis. Like, it started in Puerto Rico as, like, a little alien thing with spikes yeah. on its back. Yeah. And then over time, somehow, it turned into sort of like a hairless dog. And yeah. there's... That's a pretty big jump, you know, and it kind of it kind of breaks my heart. So I, I like the creepy alien looking one myself, you know. You remember the Montauk monster? Something they called them? Absolutely, the Montauk monster. That was the uh, that was a, a sort of a dead raccoon that washed up on a Montauk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The hair had come off of it, but I mean, it it plugs into some really interesting, strange folklore uh, and some UFO stuff. So. Let's see if I can remember it. Morris K. Jessup wrote a book about UFOs. A guy named Carl Allende, or was calling himself that, like annotated it. And he turned that in uh, to this thing that became the Philadelphia Experiment. So, you know, you probably remember the book, the movie from the 80s. Yeah. But it was about this idea to take this, this ship and make it invisible. And it ended up like teleporting. People got stuck in the metal and everything. Then they made a movie that was actually 
it said it was actually time travel. Some of the people went into the future. And so they made the movie about it. And then around uh, in the 80s, uh, some people came out and said, yeah, that's true. And also there's a secret base uh, at Montauk and they're doing experiments on kids. And um, that ended up being the inspiration for the TV show Stranger Things uh, yeah. because they were the kids got caught in a military installation with the giant radar dish on the top and all this stuff. And like uh, it, it really was directly related to the Stranger Things story. Now, um, it's it's not a happy story, but uh, it's an interesting one. And, I, and so the Montauk Monster, I think there was um, uh, a, a military or no, no, it was a chemical or animal research facility that was supposed to, so allegedly out there, something island, Plum Island, I think. And so they said they, when they found the animal on the shore in Montauk, they thought, oh, it must have come from Plum Island where they've been doing experiments. Uh, but it was actually sort of a waterlogged raccoon. And yeah. I think there was a sort of Viking funeral involved. And I just do a whole lot of stuff from memory. And I'm old, so I may have gotten some oh, of that wrong. But that was I think, really impressive. That was pretty yeah. impressive. <laughs> oh, but, but I love that stuff. It was fat. I mean, what I like about this, like people want to believe, you know, like it's like this weird desire we have in, inside us. Like we want to believe these things are out there. At least we like the mystery of one of those things. So like, yeah. there's, something, there's something more out there. And there's like some weird things that we don't know yet that we want to discover. You know, it's like you're uh, you know, an explorer where I discover these weird creatures, which I think is pretty fascinating. You know? Absolutely. But I, what I like about the book is the characters in it, uh, you know, obviously, obviously in the story, Bigfoot's real, you know, yeah. but they still use critical thinking and sort of solve the mystery and approach it logically. And I think it, we've always said, you know, that, uh, well, I, I've always said that within the world of cryptozoology, you get the full spectrum of human belief writ small, and you can use it. I think many people have honed their critical thinking skills on the whetstone of Bigfoot and come out better for it. You know, now some people yeah. don't, but I think it, I think you really use those uh, those monster ideas to to learn about science and critical thinking and have fun with it. You know, so yeah, yeah. I mean, Lily in the book, she you know she's like the She's kind of a hero. She's actually named when we lived in New York City. There was this girl who lived on the fifth floor, and her name was Lily. She was very smart and very adventurous. So it's kind of based on her. But like in the book, you know, they 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 pick up the dog's hair, you know, or they get Bigfoot's hair, and the L, I guess animal hair has a different like is tricolored or whatever it has different pigment in it, and that you can tell that's how it's animal because. Of so anyway, but you're right. There is science based on all this stuff, you know. And so like you were talking about earlier before we got on here, but you know, just like Nessie and the science behind Nessie and stuff, it's great. Like it's. You're right. I think the science and the cryptozoology. Yeah, it's really neat. I think our listeners will really dig it. Well, I should ask if uh, somebody wants to buy this book, uh, where is it available now? Or is it out yet? It's out yet. It came out June 7th. It's at bookstores everywhere on Amazon, Harper's Collins. So, yeah. But that's All fantastic. The you books, yeah. All independent bookstores, big bookstores. Yeah. So I assume they, when you do a series, they stagger them out, you know? They do stagger. I think the the next one, the one with Nessie is going to come out and they, uh, it comes early is that fall of 2023 and then the chupacabra will come out in the winter of 2023 and then in 24 will be jackalope and after that will be staggered after that so yeah fascinating that's really cool and i, I want to promote all the bookstores but yeah it's at bookstores it's like amazon it's like you know everywhere you can buy books or whatever yeah awesome I'm, well i'm so proud of you good work <laughs> oh thanks it's fun the kids with cryptids or whatever it's really fun so it's fun i'm like I like all that stuff about so aliens monsters it's all great you know like yeah, you know, it's all fantastic. I guess it's okay. sort of yeah. All right. I know this is a, a short special episode just to like get the listeners aware of your work here, but I, we do have a signature question, which I'm going to cold spring on you. And normally when I'm a better prepared host, 
I let people know ahead of time so they can think about this. And it's a very unfair question, so I apologize. But here it is. What's your favorite monster? It's a great question. I have a great question. Favorite monster? And it could be anything. Like, it could be anything, whatever, you know. You know, when I... I mean, you, you call the devil a monster? You know, I was raised... People do. I, I was raised Catholic, you know? So, like, when I was a kid, we were at camp one time. I used to be... I don't know why. I was, my parents, they're pretty religious, and I'm not really religious anymore, but I was always afraid of, like, the devil, like, uh, like you know, inhabiting, like, a doll or something or a creature and coming to life. And they used to scare the crap out of me. And I remember, like, as a kid, my parents would send me to my room, and I would stay in the doorway going, Mom, no, I can't, because I was afraid, like, the devil would you know, uh, take over a doll and the doll would come toward me. And so I guess in some weird, weird way, just for scaring me, like exorcism and all that stuff like that. I find that stuff really fascinating, crazy and weird. So I guess in some weird way, the devil would be my favorite monster just because like, it's so big through history. It's, a, you know, it's inspired so many things. It's so odd and like, all the evil of all the world and every culture has their own like sort of devil. So yeah, it's the devil. Yeah. Uh, solid answer, solid answer. I'll tell you this, when it comes to devil dolls, we did an episode of devil dolls. Um, you know, I'm a very skeptical person. Um, but um, there's a true story about a haunted doll at the beginning of that episode. I, I'm going to say this, you don't have to listen to the whole episode, but listen to like the first eight minutes for the All devil right. doll story. I think it'll, I think you'll be entertained. <laughs> oh, I love to. We were, I remember being a Boy Scouts one time and they told the story about, uh, this family, they moved into this new house and the doll was in the, in the room and then the doll would keep moving every time they'd close the door. And then one day they were all working downstairs and the doll walked down the steps calling out their names. And I was so scared. I slept in the bottom of my sleeping bag the whole night and just shook the entire night. Like, yeah, no, no, no. That's, it's, it's uncanny and weird and, and creepy and, and easy, to, easy to imagine. And uh, has been, I mean, from uh, talk, Talkie Tina to uh, the uh, ventriloquist dummies. I mean, all of those things, you know, Chucky. Uh, uh, in the real world, there's Robert the doll. And uh, that's, you know, one of those famous cursed dolls. Uh, so it's a, it's a, it is a rich tradition of scary uh, puppets. So <laughs> that's, scary, yeah. that's fantastic. Okay. Well, I don't want to keep you too long. This is awesome. I really, really enjoy this. And I think our listeners really will as well. Monster Talk. You've been listening to a special Monster Talk bonus content. This is Blake Smith. I was just talking with Mike Brom, the author of the new Cryptid Club children's book series. The first book in this series, Bigfoot Takes the Field, should be available in bookstores near you or available online. There's a link in the show notes if you want to send a few pennies our way. And that's about it. I'll see you with our next regular episode real soon. been a Monster House presentation.